As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is a podcast from The Times, sports newspaper of the year. Hello and welcome to the game with me, Gabriel Marcotti, here desperately wondering what to talk about on this show because, as Rory K. Smith tweeted uh, about Michael Owen, nothing much has happened in the last couple of weeks. Here to discuss such minor issues as an underdog winning a historic FA Cup final, the retirement of some bloke named Sir Alex Ferguson, and the possible, almost certain departure of one Roberto Mancini, and maybe a, a very exciting playoff win for Watford. With me are Ollie Kay, Tony Cascarino, and, of course, Rory K. Smith on a plaid shirt day. Nice touch. But we start at Wembley. Ollie, um, all praise to, to Wigan. They only got into the Football League in, what was it, 1978, I think. It's, um, it's The stadium's not very far from, where, from your home. Um, we all like Roberto Martinez. He's one of the good guys. Should there be a modicum of cynicism, and yes, here I am spoiling the parade, about the fact that we rail against clubs buying success, but this has partly been made possible by Dave Whelan's decisions to, to, to invest um, or to commit what, by his own account, is something in excess of £100 million over the years? Well, he has invested that money, but, the, but most of that money was invested in order to get Wigan to the Premier League. I think if you look at what they've done since they got there, since the, certainly the last few years, they've they've become a self-sustaining club. They've, they've, they haven't, actually they made, made haven't they made a loss in five of the last seven years? Yeah, but they made a profit last year, which I think is, is suggests that they are, to use the fashionable word, trending in the right direction. They expect to make a profit this year. And... Um, Obviously, it would be different if they go down. But no, I, I, I think. I, listen, I'm, I'm not. I'm not particularly anti-club spending. I, I, I like. I like. Um, I like the fact that clubs have got the right to um, to be ambitious to improve. I don't like blind um, extravagance, but I, I don't think Wigan have ever been guilty of that. I, I think Whelan has built a club, and this is a, an absolutely fantastic, um, a fantastic achievement fantastic moment for for the club it's just a shame that there's the um specter of relegation hanging over them i actually agree with you uh on this point and uh um, i was oh, yeah. just trying to lure you into a trap there which uh, which you didn't bite i cast one of the things that, that that struck me about this and it's easy to forget he kind of went into this game with with a bunch of people out injured as well mm. um you know we sometimes i feel that we're so focused on the bigger clubs that when a smaller club or clubs don't normally get much media attention play mm-hmm. and they have injuries, we're kind of like, oh, well, it's, it's only Jean Beausajour, it's only Gary Caldwell. But, you know, the reality is those are some of their, some of their good players. Um, do you agree that he basically out-tacticked his opponent? Uh, I think you're... Underestimate Gab. I think it was unbelievable how he outwitted Mancini and tactically they were superb. I think it's no, it's no real surprise if we all sit and think about Wigan as a football club over the last few years. They have produced performances that you just can't imagine that that group of players are capable of, and a manager seems to outwit other managers. You know, he went to the Emirates last year. 1-2-0 were fantastic. I watched them at Goodison Park this year in the Cup. They were incredible. 1-3-0. But there is also that indifferent performance like we saw against Swansea where they throw a game away. They were guilty of that. The Manchester City game, only a few weeks before, they went to Manchester City Stadium and outplayed Man City and could have got a result out of the game. So it was no real great surprise that they ended up 
winning the cup final in the manner they did. And some of the performances, well, I just... I say I feel sorry. I don't often feel that, that sorry for players, but the two full-backs in Cliche and Zabaleta were absolutely yeah. taken apart. We, 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 I mean, we, I think a lot of us criticised Callum McBannam and rightly so for that, that you know, horrid tackle. But if you look at the way he's kicked on in, in the yeah. last month, six weeks, um, if you look at the performance you know, against a guy like, like Gail Cliche, who is an experienced defender uh, at this stage... Um, I thought that was incredible. I mean, you know, you there's a bunch of people you could single out. Uh, you know, from Maloney, um, James McCarthy, who I feel like I have to single out every single time because I I really really like the player. Uh, it's it's remarkable how uh, this is a team that that sells its top players and then seems to find people to replace him. Well, that's why they always have that slow start to the season, isn't it? It's when it's as Martinez is kind of getting used to whichever tweak he, never, he needs to make to, to cope with the loss of Victor Moses or whoever else it is. The, the other one I think who deserves a real mention for Saturday is James MacArthur, who playing out of position at right-back was absolutely superb. I mean, he's... he's He's never going to play for a top four club, MacArthur. He's, he's, he's sort of a job. I like McCarthy. I think, well, I think I was going to say, I think McCarthy, it almost might be a waste for him to play for a top four, four club. If I was him, I'd go abroad. I think McCarthy is, is, a, is a genuinely top quality midfielder. Maybe not Real Madrid or Barcelona, but do you know what I mean? He's, he's, he can play for whoever he wants, James McCarthy. Um, but I thought MacArthur was excellent playing out of position. I had an interesting conversation on Twitter about McManaman. Because I, I, I tweeted to say that it was, I find it baffling, and it, it happens all the time, mm. that that a club doesn't, a player doesn't quite develop at a club, and the club releases him, then he goes on to be to do well elsewhere. It happens a lot, but I do find it strange that someone at Everton saw fit to release McManaman at 16. And someone said to me, "Oh no, no, but he's, he, his decision making is poor. You know, he's, he's the same as all the all, as Aaron Lennon and all those who's who's got you know he's got, got one trick, gets gets into position, then doesn't do anything. No one's saying Talon McManaman's perfect, but he is a, a very, very good footballer who is very, very effective. And just adding on to what we said there." If you've got a young kid who's has got as much pace and technical as ability as him, surely you think you're going to develop that. You just give up. Mm. You know, he's been let go because he makes his final decision. He's, he's poor. That, to me, is just absolute nonsense. Well, that's I, the one thing you can train, isn't well, it? Well, you can, his pace and ability, if he's got both, you've certainly got to marry I, that together. I, how old was he when, he when he was let go? 16. Okay, so uh, we will get to the new United manager in a minute, but... Would it be reasonable to expect the first team manager to have some input? Into I, w- this? I would have thought he'd have known. Mm. Yeah, Ollie, what's your take? Should we already be uh, assembling a blacklist against Moyes for letting McManaman go? I don't think it's an enormous crime on Everton's part. I think this kind of thing happens all the time. I mean, Leighton Baines, you know, is another guy who's gone from Wigan and he's, you know to Everton, but he was. It, it, which either Everton or Liverpool as a, as a kid. I mean, loads of these players have been at, at clubs and at a young age and, and 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 been released for one reason or another. I mean, what about the clubs who didn't even pick him up in the first place? Um, yeah, no, Ollie, no one's denying that. But Bain, you know, mo- mostly the, the the thing that's surprising about about McManaman is that it was six years ago that he was he was released by Everton. And as I say, it does happen all the time. There's loads of players like that. But so I'm not, I'm not trying to yeah construct a sort of a, a, a crime sheet for for Moyes or for Everton, but I find it surprising that a player who has the natural abilities that you need to be a winner, mm. that for whatever the reason was at 16 that they, they let him go, they didn't think he was worth keeping on. I just find that really surprising. I, I find it more surprising that we're talking about Everton doing that because Everton's yeah. record with that kind of thing is really good record at keeping players on, showing faith, actually improving them, giving, giving them a chance at 17, 18, 19. Um, I think that's what's that's what's surprising, and as you say, because he does have qualities, and he's he's. I mean, he's. You know, pe- people are saying he's good. Well, I, I gather from what you're saying, Rory, that that people are suggesting he has only one trick. I I think he's. I think he's a very um, adaptable, flexible player. I mean, he, he's clearly a left footer who looks better on the right, but I'm sure he could ultimately play on the left, play through the middle. Um, at some point, I, I, I think he's. I think he's excellent. He's rough diamond still, clearly, because I think his final ball is is poor at times. But he's he's he excites me a lot more than um, most of these um, 
fast English wingers we've seen in recent years. There's one other thing I think about, about McManaman that's really interesting, and that's that Martinez spotted when he went to Wigan, his whole youth development policy is about the fact that Everton and Liverpool and United and City obviously get the, the first the pit of the litter when it comes to young kids. Mm. And Martinez made it clear that he, he felt Wigan could kind of fill the niche of players who are released at 16, 17, 18, but have enough potential to make it into the game. McManaman is, is the standard bearer of that policy, but I, th- I think they've, they've taken more more kids who were, t- who were judged not good enough by, by the other bigger clubs in the area. And that, that, that was his plan. That's what, what he thinks Wigan have to concentrate on. And it's, Martinez doesn't need any more praise, but it's, a, it's yet more evidence of the fact that he genuinely is potentially a top-class manager. Cass, if, if you were the decision-maker at a football club... Mm. Um, and, and let's face it, winning the FA Cup is a tremendous achievement. How would you evaluate Martinez? Um, what level should he be pitched at? I mean, he was obviously strongly linked to the Liverpool job yeah. last year. I mean, are we getting a bit carried away? Um, well, first of all, if, if I have to look at Wigan as, as a team and think where is their failure been, because they are in the bottom three. And I've chatted long and hard about Wigan and, and I've waxed lyrical about their qualities going forward, which I think is, is there for everybody to see. They create, they move the ball around well, they're adventurous, they've got guys that can turn games on the sixpence. My only downfall for Martinez and my only sort of doubt is is his negligence as a, de- a manager defensively because they are a team that give you a chance there's always been teams in history that you'll look at their side and the formation that the way they're organised you will get opportunities against them and even when I've seen Wigan win teams have had chances and they've, they've not grinded out a game or they've shut shop and they can still keep that that's my only question mark about him as a manager I think everything else from the policy of getting players in and the type of players they bring in the quality I mean Aruna Coney's done fantastic for them for two and a bit million pounds he's done brilliantly for them and every I mean I knew him from the times in, in France watched him his blistering turn of foot and the way he's fit into their formation but that's all going forward that's going in attack teams my downside is sometimes I look at them and I just think they play Played suicide football like they did against Swansea. Couple of balls that are just played into the from the you're in your half into the central midfield, sort of half blind, and you've been caught. And they've done that far too often. So my only doubt for him as a manager of how good he can be, because if you are going to win things or be more successful and being able to manage at a higher level, you've got to have a back four that's not going to give opportunities to opposition. Or a back three. A back or a back three, back well. four, a defensive lineup. You know, you look at this group, and what strikes me about the... Um, I look at the Wigan players, I ask myself, which one of these guys has an ego, right? Aruna, Aruna Kone, you know, looked good as a kid, but, um, you know, he'd basically been a nomad for the last five years before he had a good season at Levante. Um, you know, McManaman was reject. Maloney reject. Um, McCarthy is the one guy that they spent money on. And McCarthy, I don't know where the hell they found him. McCarthy, did, McCarthy didn't cost a lot of money. They, they did it cost ma- like seven million, didn't he? Or six no, 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 no. It was, it was from Hamilton. I yeah, it think, wasn't. I think, I think no. he cost a fair amount of money actually. And it was great signing, but. Um, Figueroa, you know, some dude nobody'd heard of when he, when he comes in. You know, it's a different skill. Beausjour, you know, a flop at, at Birmingham. It's a different skill dealing with players like that. It's an important skill. You know, when you deal with your 35 million pound guy who comes in with the entourage, you know, that remains to be seen. But you only find out when he's given the job. I want to move it on. You mentioned Man City. We should mention City. Um, I imagine in Mancini's mind right now, Ollie, he's saying, you know what? This is BS. I lose this game because Gareth Barry, you know, mishits a, an easy pass, forcing Zabaleta to get himself sent off. And then Jack Rodwell and the other defender, whose name I can't recall right now, um, both of those guys switch off. And, they, and we can have two guys who are free at the near post and maybe Joe Hart has little snooze as well. Uh, individual errors cost me that. If the game goes into extra time, we win for sure because we're Man City. Uh, do you think that's what Mancini's thinking, and uh, is he right? I think that I think that sounds consistent with all of the message that messages that that, um, that Mancini comes out with after games, which his teams don't win. I mean, he, he always thinks it, it's it's human error by his players, um, and I don't think he ever really stops to think, or he certainly never stops to acknowledge the possibility that human error might come from players who feel. Um, how should I put this? 
Uh, yes, I'm really curious to see. You know, discontented or demotivated. From what I've heard, Gareth Barry demotivated. You're a zillionaire a million times over. You have a manager who plays you every week, even though you know you have the mobility of a refrigerator. Right? You're playing in an FA Cup final. Right? You're a veteran. You make a gigantic screw up, and it's because your manager has you demotivated. I think if you look at Manchester City collectively as a team, never mind as individuals. I think they've looked like a demotivated team all season. I mean, we can. We, we can I think we had this discussion a, a, a few a few weeks ago, and, and Danny Finkelstein was um, arguing that there is no such thing as as confidence or form or, or, or morale as, as as any kind of um, influence on performance. But from what I was told at the start of the season, Manchester City had a, a dressing room full of players who felt that that. Um, Something wasn't right. The atmosphere wasn't right. The spirit wasn't right. Um, Mancini wasn't getting the rest, the best out of them. They weren't being prepared well. They weren't being motivated well. Um, and um, I think that has come across in performance. Now we can blame players for that. We can say that they should be better than that. But a manager's job is to manage a group of players and to get the best out of them. And to me, there have only been short bursts during his spell at Manchester City where he has got the best out of them I think they had a, a brilliant start to last season had a brilliant finish to last season but for me um, just sort of looking at the well listening to the the vibes that have come out of the club for two years or two even going back to before the FA the, the, the FA Cup win in 2011 the feeling within the club has been that that they are not a group of players who are who are being whose capabilities are being optimized by the manager. Um, I, I want to move it on because obviously, and I should stress this as we tape this, uh, Mancini is still the um, is still the Manchester City uh, manager, but everybody, people close to him and so on, seem to all indicate uh, that he's gone. And Ducker has reported it, um, which doesn't make it gospel, but enough people have. Is there any doubt in your mind that? Mancini's gone. I mean, I'm assuming you, you, you live closer to uh, Eastlands than we do. Is it he, – he will be sacked. Are you prepared to say that or let go by mutual consent? He is going to be relieved of his duties. And if it ends up being a, a – if it ends up going down as um, mutual consent. Right, it doesn't matter. But you, 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 you know for a fact he will not be the Manchester City manager next season. I will – say that I do know for a fact that he won't. Okay, thank you. So with that in mind, there's a lot of speculation about who's coming in. Um, Rory K. Smith wrote uh, a wonderful piece on uh, one of my favorite people in football, uh, Manuel Pellegrini, who certainly the fans seem to uh, believe that uh, he'll be the replacement because, of course, they're the ones who uh, who were singing You Can Stick Pellegrini Up Your Ass on uh, uh, at Wembley. Um, and by the way, this sets up a whole other dichotomy of none of the players want to play for um, for Mancini, but he seems to really resonate with the supporters. But I guess maybe that's a, the reason for that might be an argument for for a different time. But um, I want to ask you about this because you could look at this and say, and, and Ducker has said many times, Ducker, a man who knows City very well, that they wanted to, to sort of overhaul the model. That's why they brought in... Uh, Soriano Ferrer and uh, especially Chiqui Beginistein. Um they were I guess charged with finding an alternative to, uh, um, to Mancini um, the Guardiola pipe dream evaporated a long time ago in the end they come up with Pellegrini which again, viewed from the outside is you could look at it and say alright these are two Spanish guys who are supposed to scour the world for the best possible candidate and what do they come back with well, really the only viable candidate that there is in Spain and a guy who managed Real Madrid and has a very high profile. Uh, didn't really take Begiri Stein and Serrano Ferrer to come up with somebody like Pellegrini. Am I being a bit down on him? I mean, I, I had a Man City fan the other day uh, tweeting me and saying, you know, look at Mancini's, um, Mancini's win rate uh, compared to Villa, uh, to, um, to um, Pellegrini. His win rate, which is something like fifty percent over the course of his career, and you think, well, yes, I take your point, but he, you know, Pellegrini spent one season at a top club. He finished with something like ninety-six points at Real Madrid, um, finishing second to what what is 
commonly regarded as um, one of the great teams of, of modern times. And he did it without Cristiano Ronaldo for six weeks, it must be said. Yeah, exactly. And, it, and he did a fantastic job with... Um, with Villarreal, he's done a very good job with um, with Malaga. I, I mean, look, none of us know how, how Pellegrini will adapt to um, to English football. Um, the, 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 there is a possibility that you know, he, he might bomb. There's always a possibility. It's always a gamble to some extent. But um, I think those who who feel that this is a, a destabilising move ignore the um, the reality, which is that, or, or fail to see the reality, which is that. Uh, Bagiristein, Soriano, Kalduna Mubarak, the Sheikh, etc. View this as a sort of move towards long-term stability, towards continuity, and they look at the job that he's done at, uh, I'd say, at Villarreal in particular, um, and say that you know, this is the way that th- this is the way that they want to go. It's not about a, a knee-jerk reaction to, to some poor results in an in, in individual error in, in the odd game, which end up costing a team a title it's it's about a, a long term move towards a different way of um, of playing a different way of being and I, 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 I can't I can't argue with it I, I don't think Mancini um, I don't think keeping Mancini would have been the right decision I just don't know I, yet whether Pellegrini is the right decision I, I completely agree with you this is not a, a, a knee jerk reaction in fact when you wrote it in your column today I sort of thought like, wow, this isn't very interesting from Ollie. It seems obvious to me. And then I realized how many people out there did see this as a knee-jerk reaction. And I said, well, Ollie was, uh, uh, was spot on there. Um, my, my concern with, with Pellegrini a little bit is, well, one of the things is that you're talking about a man who's 59 years old. Um, the trend among top clubs seems to go for, you know, up-and-comers, you know, bright young thing. Even what they're doing across town, David Moyes, he's no longer young. The dude is 50 years old, but, you know, he's got nine years on Pellegrini, which is a long time in football. Is that a concern? Should that be a concern? Well, that's what's happening in the game, Gab. I do believe, and I talk to a lot of people all the time, that clubs are certainly looking for younger, and they're looking for coaches that are far more on the training ground and doing everything. Is you know, But not City. City go for the guy who's no, older. But it's quite strange, really, because Pellegrini's CV is far better than Moyes, and Moyes has been accepted to Old Trafford with a glowing, you know, everyone's praising. And then you've got Manchester United manager and Sir Alex Ferguson going on the pitch and saying, you back your job to the crowd is to back our next manager. And then you look at Pellegrini when you like saying, then the fans are singing. The guy's achieved a lot. You know, he's been a very renowned manager in football. In okay, not in England. So it's his first opportunity at 59, which does seem a strange one. But if you believe in somebody and you believe in someone in the right way, it's still if you've got apart from Man United and what we know in Arsenal, if you get five years out of a manager. You've done incredibly well, haven't you? I mean, we, we look at managers, apart from the obvious two or three, you're not going to get nowhere near five years. So Man City might think, well, he is 59, but if he can create something for the next five years at this football club, at 59, he'll still be 64 and younger than Arsene Wenger. Right. Um, you wrote about Pellegrini today. Uh, I, mean, I think you and I, given the fact we follow European football, we've probably seen more of his teams play over the years. One thing that makes me slightly uneasy is it seems to me that, you know, they sold, Begiristein and, and Stratford had sold themselves on the Barcelona model and La Masie and blah, 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 and playing this type of football. They can't get Guardiola, and they're like, oh, look, this guy comes from Spain. He plays just like that. Um, I don't think his Villarreal team, they played beautiful football. It was South American football, Villarreal. Was, yeah, and they had... You know, the, 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 they certainly had in, in, in Riquelme, they had a figure who, you know, is difficult to imagine here in England. Uh, his Real Madrid side, um, again, very technically gifted players, played attractive football, but nothing like the way Barcelona played. Just a different style, not better or worse. And Malaga, I think he's in a slightly unique situation in that it's a classic siege situation, right? These guys aren't getting paid. Uh, there's a rather questionable character running the club. You know, it's us against the world. Um, and he's been able to coach tremendous um, performances out of them. Here, it's going to be probably unlike anything that he's experienced before. Do you think Mansoor will be expecting to see them play like Barcelona? 
Uh, well, you're right. That does seem to be kind of City have fallen into almost this Chelsea trap of thinking, you know, we, we've got to have attractive football. All that matters is that we have, you know, everything has to be beautiful and pretty. There's, you know, there's 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 a lot of different ways of winning. And yeah, Pellegrini, I, I wouldn't say is a he's he's not like a, a straight alternative as you say to Guardiola. It's, it's good football. It's technical football. It's much more, the, the football certainly played at Villarreal was much more stop start. It was it had that South American pauser that. That you don't really sort of see anywhere else. There's a team that didn't press, for example. Yeah, yeah. Nothing wrong with that. You don't have to press all the time. We're hunting packs, as people, as ex pros here like to say. But, my, um, my two concerns would probably be that his his main success does appear to be when he's helping a smaller club overachieve with Villarreal and with with Malaga to a, to a sort of lesser extent. And, and we I mean, should point out too that both Villarreal and Malaga, while they're historically small clubs, they benefited from yeah, there was money a there. lot yeah. of spending. But even San Lorenzo, who he, he yeah. won the Copa Mercosur with, he won a lead title with, with in iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ecuador, I'm not going to pretend to know that LDU were the, were kind of, I don't think they were the, the established power in Ecuador at that, at that time. So I think that's, that's concern number one which is exacerbated by the fact that at Real, for all that Cass quite rightly points out, or Oli, the 96 points he got at Real Madrid, they also went out of the Champions League to Lyon, which, which is not exactly kind of... That was, that was still the most expensive side in history. Should point out here, again, caveat, if the referee does his job, then Borussia Dortmund uh, go out against Malaga. Yeah. And we remember Klopp as the guy with the, uh, the hairpiece who, uh, who, who finished uh, 22 points behind um, Bayern Munich no, in the league and not sort of the second coming genius and the model we must all must follow. Gab, I'm a punt. I liked Pellegrini. I'm not saying he's a bad manager. I'm <laughs> saying there's, there's, there's two areas of concern. One is that, that his, his success rate with smaller clubs is better. And the other is what happened with, with Raquel May, who obviously is my favourite player of all time and therefore tell us the story anyone who, for those who don't know anyone who is coming. an enemy of Juan Roman is an enemy of me our producer Christian is getting very upset this is more interesting basically Pellegrini fell out with Raquel May because Raquel May thought he was too big or it, Pellegrini's perception was that Raquel May was kind of too big for the club Raquel May felt that Pellegrini had betrayed him that he, he didn't want to play anymore Raquel May is very difficult to manage that's fair enough to say Pellegrini struggled with that situation is that fair? That's a very quick summation. I, as I understand it from the outside, that is that is a fair summation. So that would well, suggest that with I, all the egos at City, that I, might be a problem. Well, um, well, let's move on from here because otherwise Skinner's going to freak out, um, and rightly so. Uh, let's talk about what happened at Manchester United. I don't think we need to go back and do our tributes to Sir Alex Ferguson. I'm sure there'll be plenty of time for that. Um, if you don't know what he's achieved, uh, then, you know, read a book or something. Uh, but I, I'm more interested in turning this and talking about David Moyes and, and the succession. And I want to start with you, Ali. Can you tell me, what, if you had to say, what, what are some of the biggest challenges Moyes is going to face right off the bat at Old Trafford? 
Um, there's a very general one, I would say, in that he would he is going to have to get the best out of a group of players who, to my mind, have, have been playing to their absolute um, top capability over the past three seasons. I, I don't think... Um, I'm talking about collectively rather than individually. Obviously, we can talk about individuals who haven't performed. But the, I, I think if you look at this Manchester United squad, it is not a classic Manchester United squad. It's not one that has world-class players, you know, full of top-class players at their peak, playing brilliantly. It's it's uh, a squad which has um, performed really, really well over the course of three Premier League seasons and has won two and, and ended up losing one on goal difference. Uh, without, I would say, being the best squad in the league. So basically, Moyes has got to continue this culture of, of, a, of, of a, a, a good group of players getting great results in the Premier League. That is the, that is the obvious one. Um, and in terms of a more specific one, uh, the obvious thing is Rooney, isn't it? Because um, he inherits a problem there. And I... And I, I yeah, well, I, well we, I think we agree with Rooney's I, I, one. I thought Ferguson made, we'll, might, we'll, we'll made it We'll get to Rooney in a second. Um, I, I just wanted to keep the focus on Moyes, but I, but I think we all agree that, that, that Rooney is, is, is a big issue. Um, I'm assuming also that right now nobody, maybe nobody in the country apart from Sir Alex, has any idea about what his role is going to be at the club and whether he's going to be Bobby Charlton talking to sponsors and whatever and not really being involved at all or um, or whether he you know is going to be sort of a de facto uber manager director football type uh, unless somebody says I know for sure I want to put that to one side because we purely be be speculating there's pros and cons to both approaches um, one thing that jumps out at me immediately um, Rory is that Sir Alex Ferguson rotated heavily like no other manager of a top club I think in the world ever over the last couple of years um, at Everton, David Moyes did the opposite. He kind of stuck with, with the first 11. What's your take on this? And do you think you know, he, he might be tempted to continue with the Sir Alex way? Or do you think he's going to try to actually put together um, a, sort of a, a hard core of eight, nine guys who are going to start all the big games? Well, I think the difference is when you're at Everton, you probably only have the the problem that a club like Everton have is that they don't have the finances to have the strength and depth that means you can rotate without kind of damaging the quality of your side which is why he'd have had the, the 8 or 9 players that form the hardcore of his team if at I all times. If I can jump in there one second though I think with Sir Alex though it's by choice because I can have Nani and Ashley Young and you know Welbeck or I can make those three guys disappear and get one guy who's really really good and I, I think to some degree it's got, it's got, I mean, it's got to be the same well, I think with, if, if philosophically he wanted to have a bigger squad, he could have sacrificed some quality in, in, term, in favor of. Yeah, the I suppose right? possibly. I mean, he, but as I say, that's that's a difficult choice that you have to make at Everton. It's not really a choice you necessarily have to make at United. You should be able to get at United twenty-five players. Obviously, some you'll have superstars and what have you, but largely people like Nani Young, who are both. I mean, Ashley Young, Jesus Christ! But people who are, let's have a better example than Ashley Young, who's useless. Um, Nani and Valet. Bit harsh. He is. He's dreadful. Nani and Valencia say he's in England international. He started every. That is no guarantee of quality. Um, Tony Castorino played for Marseille. <laughs> um, the, uh, I think that is an issue that Moyes. That's the problem that Moyes is going to face. That that Ma- we, we we touched on this with Martinez and City. That that managing a club, a smaller club, whether that's Wigan who are a much smaller club or Everton who are sort of a bit of a smaller club, is is a different skill set to managing a really big club. He's Moyes going to have to get used to rotating. Does I mean Everton were never in you know they didn't have long long runs in Europe. They didn't have I, cup competitions. They weren't competing on four fronts. That is the managerially that is the challenge in man challenge managing those egos, managing the playing time, managing the squad. That's what he's got to get used to. My you, t- you touched on there with Ollie about your, as a manager and the obstacles in front of him. I think most managers are really defined is what they do in the transfer market. You've got the core of the group. You know what you've got. And I think if you look at success for Sir Alex, you look at signings that he continually made, whether it was Van Persie last year, whether it was... You could, go, you could talk all night about the ones he did. Baby, Jemma, Jemma. Well, but... But in general, he made some incredible signings. It improved your team. I think managers live and die by their transfer dealings. And we spoke about Mancini just earlier. And, and yeah, it might have been Brian Marwood who had to say, but it cost them dearly City this year, their dealings in the transfer it market. It wasn't Mancini's deal. Now, so. no, okay, well, but it could inevitably cost Mancini's Enough job. Mancini, you two. He's Jesus. Him up. Look, so now you've got David Moyes. Now, his 
you know, he hasn't been a huge buyer and seller in in the market Everton because he couldn't be. He he bought people at some good decent fees but nothing incredible now he's going to a football club that will make marquee signings and will bring big name big names into the football club they've always done that so I'm looking at David Moyes how's he got that's going to be new to him having the availability of funds to go right you can have him you, I've got a list of players which ones you want and he's going to go boom boom well, boom that, that's going to be a big challenge for David Moyes. do you know what it, that's particularly going to be a big challenge partly because I would expect United I mean we've the reception of Moyes has been uniformly positive almost because we've been everyone's been told to be positive also because we like him well we like Moyes yeah. you know he's one of the good guys and, and he's all done that. brilliantly well and he's done really well at Everton yeah. do you know what if I was a United fan I'd be a little bit worried because David Moyes is not as good a manager as Sir Alex Ferguson he just isn't he's there are bid there are bid flaws with with Moyes and I mean it I think he's a better a better appointment than Mourinho for a myriad different reasons. But if you get Mourinho in, you're at least getting someone who's dropped those European Cups. Let me finish, Gab. So I would expect United to go and spend money this summer to try and kind of mollify well, those doubts. We'll, we'll give them the issue with, to say, I think Ollie was going to jump in there and ask you the same question I'm about to ask you. What are Moyes' big flaws? Well, this, this is what I was getting to. The big flaw with Moyes, I would say apart from a tactical caution and an inexperience, let's say, rather than inability in Europe. His side's never convinced in Europe. He didn't look like he knew how to set up away from home. The big flaw with Moyes is uncertainty in the transfer market. Ollie will say this as, as much, much as I, both of us have worked on Merseyside. David Moyes shilly-shallies a little bit when it comes to signing players. He's, he's not certain. He doesn't have the courage of his own convictions. Partly at Everton, that's just the finances are tight and you have to get the decisions right. And by and large, he's done that. But you look at some of the players he went for, some of whom came off, some of whom didn't. It, he's not always the most decisive in the transfer market. And to me, that would be a concern. Uh, and uh, as a result, he ends up sometimes, I think, paying more than he would yeah, have. I yeah. that was the case with Kraldrup, with the Kubu. Um, Gab, I've had a number of people in the game, managers and, and, and assistants, who have said to me, dealing with daily Mo- David Moyes is very difficult. He's so indecisive over a transfer. They offer him a player and it's yet, yeah, you think it, and it takes forever, it lingers on. And that's why I said that the well, transfer market's going to be a big thing for him to get right. Most highly intelligent people, of course, don't see the world in black and white but see it in shades of grey and I think that's how uh, uh, David Moyes sees it um, Ollie I, I want to ask you though we, we, we talked about um, we talked about, transfer, about transfers and stuff looking at this club um, I made this point before but of the six players who played most often for United in the league this year uh, two of them Patrice Avery and Rio Ferdinand are, are clearly on their way out and will be replaced in the next year or two uh, two of them are Van Persie and Carrick who had exceptional seasons but who are both 31 or I think Van Persie is close to that um, and, and 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 the other two are, um, are De Gea and Raphael who you, know, you would think are, are building blocks it seems to me that there's going to be a trade-off I mean we said that we expect him to spend a lot of money he also has a lot of young players there is this challenge going to be assessing which one of these guys can become sort of week in week out starters and which positions, on the other hand, will he need to go and and actually spend money on? Yeah, and I, I do think it's a really difficult squad to to assess, really, from from manager coming in because I mean, Ferguson will continually reel off this list of names: Smalling, Jones, Raphael, De Gea, Cleverly, Welbeck, um, etc. And they are very good young players, but I I don't know whether that is the core of a team that is going to you know threaten uh, Barcelona and Real Madrid. By Munich over the next um, three, four, five, you know, ten years. I, to be honest, I don't think it is. I, I think they've got. I think the hair is very, very good ability-wise. I think Raphael is is very good. Um, Jones is uh, a very good footballer. I don't know quite what his role is going to be. I think Welbeck, cleverly. I think they are, they would ideally be squad players at, at Man United, and it's going to be difficult to um, make that transition from from. A, um, a title-winning team of, of good to very good players to, to a team that's going to be um, really punching its weight in Europe over the next few years. I think they are definitely going to have to have, have to buy and, and, and invest in in players which you know, as, as I said earlier, the, of an age group which is going to be um, which is going to keep them or get them to the top over the next few years. Because I, I don't see an awful lot of players who are going to be. Um, at an absolutely top level over the next few seasons. We've touched upon Rooney before, but obviously he's the uh, he's a big elephant in, uh, in in the room. Is that a comment on his fitness? Does he, we can get sued for that? 
Uh, no, it's not a comment on fitness. I like, I like most people. I look at his production. I'm not so overly concerned about his body language and his fitness and all this stuff. These like sort of sofa pundits uh, uh, come up with. Um, I'm not having a go at you, but I'm having a go at certain. No, I do like to punditize from my sofa. It's exactly. a good sofa. We all do. It's a quality um, sofa. It seems to me, obviously, we've had confirmation that he has put in a transfer request. Um, it seems to me like Sir Alex made a big statement uh, by leaving him out of the squad and then uh, uh, saying what he said uh, afterwards. I'm trying to look at this from Rooney's perspective. It's obvious. He, the guy wants a new contract. He should get a new contract. The question is for how much and so on. But there's the obvious factor, Ollie, that this is also a guy who maybe hasn't felt like the main man this year because if you're Wayne Rooney, you're the highest paid player of the club. The club have invested a lot of time and money in you. And then they go and they buy somebody who plays your same position. And then they go and they, he, he shuttles you all over the park. You're playing uh, center forward. You're playing second striker. You're playing in midfield. You're on the bench. You're in and out and stuff. I guess what I'm driving at is did Sir, should Sir Alex have tried harder to accommodate Rooney this season? Because it seems to me like he's towing a hard line. But is it because this is a battle he knows he's going to win? Um. I've got, I mean, there are suggestions that Rooney's nose has been put out joint slightly by Van Persie. And I, I, if that is the case, which I've no idea, um, it, it would be ludicrous because let's let's not forget that Rooney was the one who was saying two years ago, two and a half years ago, we need to invest in world-class players. I've been, you know, I'm concerned about the future direction and ambition of the club. So I think um, I think Van Persie's arrival was an opportunity for him to play in a, in a role which would get the best out of him but then um, I, I also feel that I, in fact to be honest I feel down the years I'm, I'm not sure Ferguson has got the absolute best out of Rooney there, there have been times when he has done but the, he always seems to have gone from one role one season to, to another role the next I mean Ferguson at one point was talking about um, reflecting that he hadn't really been fair on Rooney over, over over his United career. He'd asked him to sacrifice himself for the team in, in various ways. And I, I would I would say Ferguson's past um, seven years at United have been almost faultless. Um, but I think he's I don't think he has ever quite um, managed to sort of uh, crack the the Rooney conundrum, as in what's his best player, you know, what's his best position, what's his best role, how to get the best out of him, and, and um, it's I mean it's it, it's a pretty um, it's a pretty small criticism well, to make in the end, but but I I, I, I think this season there, certainly in the past few weeks there there, there has been a feeling um, around the club that, that Ferguson was wanting to shunt Rooney out, and 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 I guess in the end um, you're left with a situation where the bloke cracks and says oh do you know what? maybe I'm better elsewhere and, and, and then he's ended up he's en- he ends up left, left out of the, the, the manager's final home game which I, to be honest I found really sad because as Gary Neville says Rooney is not a bad lad he's an over, he's an over emotional lad um, and ideally you would have him at the heart of everything United were doing rather than um, set up in an ex- executive box feeling awkward all right, time now for Cass's favorite part of the show. It's quick hits. Norwich pummel West Brom with ease, winning 4-0 and assuring their Premier League status for next season, even though Ollie Kay predicted they go down. Ha ha. Cass, given the resources at his disposal, should we be praising Chris Hewton a little bit more than we actually have? And are you excited to uh, hear the name Rick Van Wolfswinkel next season? Mm. Um, I think Norwich are 12 now, aren't they? They've got themselves in a real decent position. So I think if Chris would have known at the start of the season they could end the season 12 or maybe just around there, yeah, they've had a good season. And then as on Ricky Van Wolfswinkle, um, commentator's nightmare, but it'd be interesting to see how they're going to describe him uh, or pronounce his, his name. Is there any short version of his name? RVW. RV Dub. RV Dub. Well, that's what he's going to be then. Liverpool would have Fulham 3-1 and Daniel Sturridge nets a hat-trick. Ollie, I've been sceptical about Sturridge, but 10 goals in 13 league games since his move to Anfield told their own story. I was clearly wrong. Uh, is he the best English striker around right now? And since I know you're going to sit on the fence, uh, if you say that he is not, you're going to have to tell me which English strikers you would have ahead of Sturridge. And I'm speaking slowly so you can think about it. 
No, I don't think there's much to think about. I think I think at the moment he is the best English centre forward, certainly in terms of form. Um, I think if Hodgson isn't thinking of him for the end of season matches, then 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 that would be um, rather strange. It's not just the number of goals; it's the quality of the goals, quality. Of the goals. Um, so I I think he's been excellent. And um, although I must say it, must, it looks like a striker's dream to play um, ahead of Coutinho, who's who's been. An even better signing in January, in my opinion. Hey, maybe we should be praising Rogers for his signings and saying uh, adios to Luis Suarez if storage is going to be this good. Newcastle win at QPR 2-1, ensuring their survival. Uh, an angry QPR crowd demands that Jose Basingua, the source of all of Rangers' ills this season, uh, be substituted. And they're relieved, Alan Pardew says, some journalists are crying in their beer because they're staying up. And that uh, he couldn't care less if he lost 4-0 to Arsenal on the last day of the season, which is a very healthy attitude to have. Uh, Rory, your thoughts? Yeah, I was there. I was, I was baffled by what he said about not caring if Arsenal win 4-0. It was a really weird thing to say. I also thought it was a bit unedifying that Pardew's first kind of comments after the, the win that secured survival was kind of trying to get one over on the journalist who'd reported I believe accurately about potential tensions within the squads I think that suggests that he, to Pards it's more all about him than it is about the team the thing about Basinwa who's obviously been appalling for QPR this season I found it very odd that he was being booed by the QPR fans for two reasons. One, it was after he made mistakes, which suggests that fans are kind of okay with whatever, as long as the player's playing quite well. And the second is, he is not the only man who's let himself down at QPR this season. To single him out is understandable, but there's lots of other people who deserve to be booed as well. Aston Villa aren't out of the woods just yet, though Christian Benteke made them think they were before Frank Lambert's two late goals not only gave Chelsea the win, uh, but also set a new club record, surpassing Bobby Tambling. Uh, Cass, you've got some history with both Aston Villa and indeed Frank Lampard. Uh, would you rather praise Benteke or Frank? Both. Ben TK first thought with my five minutes was immense. Gary Cale, he'd absolutely give him a, you know, just rolled him around the pitch and just pace and power. Thought he was sensational and just continued where he was. And Lampard, his game in the second 45 minutes typified what he's done for the last decade outside the box and inside the box. Um, he will still do that for another two or three more years, Frank, because of his ability to see things and not have to pace. You know, you're, I think you finish younger when you rely only on pace. He's never relied on that, so he'll be fine for a little while longer. I find it bizarre that uh, he's fourth all time mm. in uh, in the goal scoring list in in the Premier League as well uh, since football began in 1992. But he's ahead of people like Robbie Fowler and, mm. and Michael Owen, which just blew me away. Tottenham are still alive in the Champions League hunt as Emmanuel Adebayor continues a scoring run at the right time. But Tony Pulis is angry at Charlie Adams' red card. One of those sendings off that, quote, spoils the game. Is old Tony right? And is Adebayor perhaps worth backing next season as you won you over a little bit? A, a, a red card spoils the game when it's clearly the right decision. Is is so 1970s or 1980s. It, it, or Howard it's, Webb. It's, uh, not, well... Yeah, but it's 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 just such a ridiculous notion. It, it was a it was a second bookable offence. You can't just let people get away with second bookable offences because they're the second one. Um, and um, I thought it was a brilliant one for Spurs. I, 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 Adebayor over the last couple of games has looked really good. Um, he he can look like that, but it's um, he struggled really over the course of the season. I, I mean, I think his. Future should be up for review, but I, 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 what I would say is that uh, Villas Boas, I think, has, has done a, a really, really good job this season. Right, yeah, um, okay. We, we love Villas Boas. One word answer keep Addy or ditch Addy? Ditch. Good thing Davy Moyes is indecisive. Imagine if Ollie <laughs> Kay were the Everton manager. Eight points in six games for Paolo Di Canio at Sunderland after the home draw with Southampton. Rory, they, uh, they too aren't quite safe yet, not least because everybody seems to be suspended or injured. Uh, easy question. Would they be in this position had Martin O'Neill stuck around? They would, would they be, be better off or worse off? They would be in a very similar position with one crucial difference, and that is that their goal difference would be slightly better because O'Neill wouldn't have got beaten 6-1 at Villa. They, they probably would have lost that game under O'Neill because they looked really uninspired. And I think getting rid of him probably was the right decision. It may have come too late. Uh, I think Sunderland, like everybody else in that bottom kind of 10, now just has to wait and see what happens on Tuesday if, if we didn't lose to Arsenal they go down I think that's fairly obvious if we didn't beat Arsenal then everything gets very exciting and we can all sort of marvel at how brilliant the last day of the season is going to be at both ends does that then influences the Champions League race 
Sunderland, like Fulham, Stoke, a couple of others, don't really deserve to stay up. I think Wigan are much more exciting, much more interesting than, than quite a lot of those teams down there who seem to have done their best to get relegated but can't quite manage it because of the ineptitude of Reading and QPR. Uh, this is a freebie, it's a gimme for them, to be honest. That, that, that They're allowed to stay in the Premier League. I really hope, for everyone's sake, uh, that they improve considerably next year. Well, you're on the same pace. I'd have Newcastle down too and Norwich yep. too because they're boring. And we don't know any of the players. They're not the big stars that sell, uh, that sell subscriptions. That is precisely what I'm not saying, exactly. Gavin. You're fully aware of that. Uh, one for you. Now it says here to talk about Barcelona, but that the question is, did it feel a bit anticlimactic to you, Barcelona being crowned champions? That's really boring. So I'm going to ask you this instead: which was more exciting, Porto's last-minute win against Benfica or Watford's playoff victory? Oh, thank you for that. Um, I think it's actually Watford's uh, victory, just because you go from one end of the pitch to the other because of the characters involved. Almunia, um, you know, a guy who was sort of derided and mistreated, of course, by Jens Lehmann during his time as Arsenal. Um, as far as Porto, the, the Kelvin's a great story, uh, you know, what's come on. Porto were also pretty lucky with the Maxi Pereira deflection and whatnot, but it, it's an incredible story. You feel for George Jesus, you wonder how this is going to impact the Europa League final. I'm still going to talk about Barcelona, though, because I'll tell you what, it did feel anticlimactic because they had a real. Ri- they had the league wrapped up so long ago, but it's still a phenomenal season when you consider what happened to Tito Villanova this year, when you consider that this was his first season in charge, when you consider that if they win the last three games, they will reach the 100-point mark. And as you recall, uh, the uh, Mourinho fan club, that's the whole reason why he was such a success is because he reached 100 points. Well, Tito might yet reach 100 points this season. That's all we've got time for this week. It's been fun. It's been real. Thanks to my guests, Tony Cascarino, Ollie Kay, and, of course, Rory K. Smith. You can come find us on Twitter to share your thoughts. We're all on there. And uh, Ollie especially likes to hear from his many, many fans. He responds to all of them individually. Uh, you can also email us, as so many of you do, every single week. It's gamepodcast.thetimes.co.uk. Remember, you can go to thetimes.co.uk. You'll find all our news, views, web chats, blogs, analysis. Next season, it's going to be even more exciting because we're going to have a, a video clip highlights of Premier League goals. Mm, that's something to look forward to, isn't it? Till next time, bye-bye. As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.